I'm up in Paso Robles. I grew up in Los Osos and um, actually have a lot of interesting connections to this church and this building, which I'll talk about in a minute. But further than that, I have these really cool connections with Calvary Chapel because when I was a little kid in Southern California, my grandfather went through a sort of spiritual awakening in the early 80s. And I remember hearing that he had gathered all of his daughter. He had four girls. Um, and uh, he, he kind of gathered them up and said, hey, I, I started attending this really amazing thing happening as kind of part of that Jesus movement. You know, the movie just came out. And so he started going to a place called the Packing House down in Redlands, a Calvary Chapel down there. So that's the church that I started going to when I was a little kid and grew up in that. And it just changed my mind about what church could be. Before that, we were in a good church, but it's very, very traditional. And um, so we walked in as a kid who was very creative and music-driven. Uh, I, I just remember these specific things of walking into Calvary, and there's like a biker gang, you know, taking off their leather jackets and crosses on them, people putting out their cigarettes, uh, coming in, getting a cup of, like, really good coffee. Nobody cared about the carpet. The music was just, like, alive. When you started leading worship, it was like, I have never heard these songs before. And it's because most of them have been written by them. And so as a musician, I was like, this is insane. And, and it was actually hard to get the people to stop talking to each other when the first song started, you know? I just hadn't experienced that before. And so the, the love that I have for Calvary Chapel is deep, and it was extremely important in my formative years for me and my parents who brought me there. Um, I also have a lot of interesting connections to this building, because in the early 90s, my parents moved us all up here, which was a wonderful change. We went from not being able to ride our bike around the corner to everywhere we wanted in Los Osos. And so we did that, and we were part of a church plant called Coast Life. Anybody heard that word before? Anybody? There's probably a few left over. But we actually used this building for the band to practice in, in that garage back there. And so I just have so many mixed memories here, and I mean good ones, but, and then it was the Vineyard Church, I think, at that time, and then Calvary was here. So it's just really neat for me to be here today. And I also want to say that Pastor Brian, over the last, um, especially five years, has just been an amazing friend to me, sorting through some ministry challenges that we had. And you have a good pastor that loves you very much. So if I can do anything today, I just want to, out of thanks, just give you like one of those vitamin injections so that you are confident in your love for this church. Because um, I have been blessed by the presence of this church in a lot of ways. In fact, a year ago, my family and I were on a sabbatical deciding what to do next. And we came here. We sat in the back back there and met some of you, maybe. So if I look familiar, that might be why, because we just kind of sat back there and just didn't, you know, do anything, <laughs> which was really nice. Um, but <laughs> Brian is a fantastic guy, and if it wasn't for his friendship and his encouragement, I just want you to know that I wouldn't be doing this right now. He's a huge part of our story. One thing I love and remember about Calvary Chapel is their love for God's Word. And that's what I remember feeling when I was a young man, is that they weren't just reading what was next on the list for that week. They were like tearfully and joyfully full of love for God's word and being faithful to God's word. And so I want to talk to you today about 
the importance of the authority of Scripture in our lives. Another cool tradition I know you have is that sometimes Pastor Brian will have you stand as we read Scripture. So let's do that this morning. Would you stand with me? It's short, so don't worry too much. Second Timothy, in chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Let's have a seat. One of my favorite quotes is, um, if you're trying to grow in your faith, one of the best things you can do is pick up a bunch of books from dead theologians. Because they have a lot of really good things to say. And what's encouraging about it is a lot of things they go through and they see in their culture. You go, oh my goodness, the same thing was going on in the 1600s. And you, it kind of connects you to the greater body of faith. Because as they preach to their people that they were in charge of ministering to, um, they would call things out. And one thing that Charles Spurgeon said was this. He said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. And I think you could also say that a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to a church that isn't. You can kind of see the uh, church's growth and maturity by their love and stubbornness to follow God's word. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. You know, if you're hanging to the word of God as your anchor, it doesn't mean you don't have challenges. But I would say there's a very marked difference in how you face and experience those challenges if you're anchored in God's word. And so that's what I want to talk about today. Um, and as we dig into Scripture, you know, where do we go to find out what Scripture is? Well, we dig into Scripture. Scripture defines Scripture. Just like you don't read, uh, you know, Harry Potter to learn about Charlotte's Web. You don't read Dr. Seuss to read about Harry Potter. You read Scripture to learn about Scripture. It defines itself. So we're going to start with this. The first bit of this Scripture is... Uh, all scripture is breathed out by God. And this is what I think God is saying to us through this, is that God's word is powerful because it's breathed by him. God's word is powerful because it's breathed by him. You know, God created the earth. He spoke it into existence with his breath. When he, later in Genesis 2, formed man out of the dust of the ground, he breathed life into his nostrils and gave him the breath of life. When you become a Christian, God breathes life into you that didn't exist before. It's life he breathes into you that you didn't create and you can't create. I also love words. And there's a word, um, the, the Greek word for God breathes is theonoustos. Theo means God. Noustos means breath. And I guess more literally you could say that all scripture is breathed into by God. It's the literal breath of God that gives scripture its power. The word pneumatic, some of you might recognize that word pneumatic if you've ever taken off a tire in an auto shop, right? And you know those pneumatic impact wrenches? Is there anybody out there that can make that noise for me? Do you know what I'm talking about? Someone's got it. It's, it's burning in you to make it. I'm going to wait. Ladies, you're going to have to help these guys out. It goes like, yeah, or like, whoop, whoop. Tasha, my wife, asked if I was nervous uh, this morning. I said, no, I'm just worried about messing up that sound. But it's because it's just that you hear it, and it's like, 
just so satisfying. They're taking the lug nuts off of the bolt. But here's the thing. The tool by itself doesn't have any power. Only the air coming through it gives it power. And I'm not trying to call us tools. But you are, you are beautiful, useful tools in the hands of God. But without God, without, without Him breathing into you, you are an pneumatic air wrench lying on the shop of the garage that can't do anything. Okay? So, I'm not trying to call you names. But what I'm trying to say is that Scripture is the same way. Without God breathing through Scripture, it's just words on a page. I've got a sponsorship. It's okay. No, it's okay. I think those things are good sometimes because it reminds us this isn't a performance. It's a, it's a family dinner, you know? Scripture without the breath of God is just words on a page. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. The next section of Scripture says profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. And I want to talk about that word profitable because God's word is profitable. And I think the first thing you think about when you think about profitable is you think about finances or, you know, so what makes something profitable as a business? I'm sure many of you are a part of businesses or own businesses. And so you're profitable when what you make is bigger than what you spent to keep the thing going. And we make more money than we spend. So there's, there's ways to think about God's word being profitable, and we tend to just think of it immediately as like just beneficial or useful. But I think there's some uh, help in going into a different interpretation of that word because when God's word is profitable, it means he's telling us to do something that's God-breathed, and it means he's going to give us what we need to complete that task. So this is what I'm trying to say in that. Whatever God asks you through his word to spend in obedience to him, he will fund. He will fund it. And the reason he will fund it is because the resource behind the words of scripture is God himself. And does God have any limits? No. What does he own? Everything. So whatever God asks you to spend, he will fund. How could you ever outspend what God has invested in you? He has everything. He owns everything. He knows everything. That gives me a lot of hope. Because I know that when he asks me to do things in obedience, and many times he does that with us, he asks us to step in obedience, sometimes before we know the answer. And uh, how many of you can, can testify that many times God has called you to step in obedience, and then he was like, yep, I'm right here. But sometimes you've got to take a step first. And that's really scary. But our God and his word is profitable and will work because he is the resource behind it. I want to continue in scripture in uh, verse 17 now. It said that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. My third point is that God's word equips us for a purpose. And he does a lot of those things through scripture with a purpose. And God wants to use scripture to guide us like an anchor, like a compass. 
to do the things that he has called us to do. It's so easy to be all over the place in our thoughts and our emotions, but he gives that to us like a guide. And they're like instructions for us. I, I mentioned that I grew up in Osos, and so one of my first jobs, um, you know, I was doing that Cuesta Tuesday, Thursday nights and working during the day. And I worked for a construction guy in Morro Bay. And um, <laughs> this story makes me laugh. I love when I get to tell it. But he, um, I wasn't, uh, I was just like a, a laborer, you know, I wasn't, I didn't have any status. I had worked for him for a couple of years and I was learning stuff, but I wasn't like a journeyman that could take over a project. But I knew enough, um, ha- having worked with him for a while, to know how to work. And he ha- had a habit of hiring these journeymen, and they'd be there for about two weeks, and then they're gone. Um, so it's just over and over again, kind of a revolving door of people that I had to submit to. And so this day of the week, it was another guy, and he's up there, and we're literally roofing the house next to my boss, and my boss owns that house too. So we're up there roofing this house, and the guy starts putting um, the shingles on, and if anybody's ever roofed a house, you know there's a certain way to put the shingles on. Well, this guy, God bless him, was just nailing them all through the top. Now, if anybody knows what I'm talking about, you just went, ugh, because it was about a block from the beach, which means it's going to turn that thing into like a, you know, a kite. And so I said to him, hey, I, I don't want to be disrespectful to you, but that's not the way to do it. And he told me to be quiet in some kind ways. And I, and I said, I know. He's basically, what, why do you care? And I said, I care because you're doing it wrong. I know our boss is not going to like that. And if you get canned like everybody else does, then I have to stay late and clean it up and start over. So no, I don't want to help you do it wrong. And then I said, if you look on the bag and flip it over... What's on the back of the bag? Instructions. It shows you with like, I mean, pictures. So the way you do it is the way you nail those. It goes through the one and then it goes through the one below it and then they all stay secure. Okay, so they don't flop off of your roof when you get one offshore wind. And so I said, I don't want to help you do this anymore. And so I walked down the ladder and went into my boss's office next door and said, I'm so sorry, because <laughs> he had kind of a temper, so you're like, hey, I want to tell you something cool, and, um, and he says, um, I said, the guy that you hired is nailing them all through the top, and they're flopping around, um, and it's not good, and he's like, what? And so my boss gets, I, I, it's so hard not to say his name, because you might know him, um, but he, he, he gets up, he walks over, and he, he walks up the ladder, to the look at the roof, he gets about halfway up, and he just goes, <sighs> and then some other words, and then I I go up there, and the guy starts arguing with him, and I hear my my boss say the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. He says to him, "It's written on the bag, it's written on the bag," and he um this was on um I want to say oh on Avalon in Morrow Bay, and so um the my boss picks up the guy's tool bag and just goes. Phew. And chucks it off the, the roof. It lands right in the middle of the street and just goes. I think sometimes, I don't want to say God's frustrated with us, but sometimes we try to go our own way with our life. And he's holding up the word in front of our faces saying, it's written on the bag. It is written on the bag. 
God equips us for a purpose. He's written it down for us because we're stubborn and we like to do things our own way. And he writes them down so we have a chance to get beyond our own self and our emotions and our stubbornness. I want to continue a little bit into uh, chapter 4. And it says this, I charge you in the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but they'll have itching ears and they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And they'll turn away from listening to the truth and they'll wander off into myths. As for you, always be sober-minded, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. The part that really stands out to me there is this. Because, I mean, I love my podcasts and stuff, but this is really easy to do these days. They will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. You can kind of pick all the teachers you want, listen to them on your phone, and get a pretty good support for what you believe is true and what you want to be true. There's an extreme value in being here like you are this morning because together you submit to God's word together, and that's where God's word is meant to be worked out in community like this. Because you might say something crazy, and your friend might go, I don't know about that. What about this scripture? That's how it's supposed to be worked out. But what I draw from that overall is this, that what is God-breathed will last. He equips us for a purpose. He will fund it. And what he calls us to do, that is God-breathed, will last. Um. One thing I didn't talk about was that, you know, what we're doing now. So we live actually in San Miguel, just north of Paso. Um, and we're planting a church called Maverick Church. We're basically trying to uh, pull in all the ornery hicks and make something out of it, which has been pretty good so far. It's been a lot of fun. But our first meeting, we had 150 people. Um, but it, I look out and it's like all boots. Like it looked like a concealed carry conference. Um, but those are my people and I love them. And, um, so we we're, we're three or four months in, um, to planting that on Sunday nights. And, um, so we know real well about the phrase, what is God breathed will last. And so, uh, I shared this with them in one of the first messages and I want to share it with you because a good friend of mine had pulled me aside as we started this. And he said, Ben, I want you to remember that what you build in the spirit, you'll have to maintain in the spirit, but what you build on the flesh in your own power, you're going to have to sustain it in your own power. So be careful what decisions you make as you plant right now. And the truth is, when we do those things that God calls us to do in chapter 4, in our own power, we end up causing confusion and hurt and destruction, even if we're trying to evangelize not God-breathed. When God calls us to do something, we have to make sure he's the source of it and not just our willpower. I also told them, as we are continually building our our core values and who we are and what we're up to, um, that I reminded them of this idea that the church is really, really unique. I mean, first of all, there's nobody else right now in the whole city that woke up this early, got together, 
played music and sang. You know, like this is different. It's, but it's, it's a beautiful thing because the only reason all of us are all here is because of Jesus. That's it. There's no other reason for us to be all together. There, there might be some different bumper stickers in the parking lot. That's fine. But what we, want, what we want to do is as we pursue truth together, that's going to unify us. Even though we come from different places, we're going to maybe disagree on different things. We have different backgrounds. We might have grown up in different countries, different cultures. But the reason God gave us the scripture is because if we've got the scripture at the middle of us and we're all aiming toward that, we're going to get closer together. And we will be more unified. But we'll be more unified not on the basis of what we think, but we'll be more unified on the basis of what we think Scripture says, and so I want to challenge you the same way I challenged our church, which was this. If we are going to ever disagree on anything, let's be very careful to make sure we're disagreeing on what we believe Scripture says, not what we think it says or what we think we think. Because when you disagree according to what Scripture says, you're actually going to grow a lot. And that's back to my other point of like when you're growing together in a church, this is, this is where Scripture and small groups and youth groups and all that stuff this is where scripture is meant to be worked out for that reason. That's where the clashing of swords happens. That's where iron sharpens iron for all of us. And so I encourage you with that idea that scripture can bring us all together from all of our different kind of backgrounds as we submit to it together. That's the reason that God gave those scriptures to us. I also want to say that some of you um, might hear these words and suddenly have an unexplained faith in God's word or desire to read it. And that might be God filling you with air. That might be God making you a useful person in his kingdom. And I know this church cares about people being saved. And I know this church cares about people finding that breath of God filling them up in their life. And I know that people would love to talk to you about that. If that's the case, you can talk to me. If you're trying to sort that out, or anybody else that you saw up here, you can pull them aside. And, and you can talk with them. You can pray with them and ask them. Because that's how it happens. You are walking along, and all of a sudden, God kind of changes your desires, and you have a desire to follow him. That I mean, I, I was the one that I didn't want to. I finally came to a point where I was like, this is exhausting fighting the direction God's trying to pull me. <laughs> You know, and I know Pastor Brian has a very similar story. He wasn't seeking after God. God came and took him and grabbed him and filled him with the breath of faith. So if that is you today, I want you to know that Calvary Slow cares to walk you along that journey. And this is the place where you work out your ideas and your thoughts about who God is and your disagreements as we look at Scripture together and as we all whether you're one day saved or 50 years saved, we look at Scripture together to unite us, to anchor us. So God's Word is powerful because it's breathed by Him. God's Word is profitable. What He asks you to spend in obedience, He will fund. God's Word equips us for a purpose. There's a reason He's challenging us with things. And I want you to remember today that what is God-breathed will last. Amen? Let me pray for you guys, and we're going to have a little bit more worship at the end. Wasn't that wonderful? Those guys are great. Um, Lord, thank you so much for your word, because we know 
that we are very often unfaithful and wavering and all over the place and our emotions get the best of us and our experiences get the best of us and our frustrations and uh, but God you've given us your words so that we have something reliable to lean on beyond those things so that you would make us steady people full of joy and full of confidence in you and so Lord that's what we ask from you today is that you would put in us if we don't have it put in us a desire to know your word Put in us a desire to submit to your word. And then beyond that, put in us a desire to submit to your word with those around us so that we can grow closer together in the kind of unity that you want for this church and for this city. Lord, we also pray for Pastor Brian as he's taking a little time away that you would give him uh, a time of refreshment, that you would fill him up with courage and confidence for where you were leading this church next. I pray over these people as they um, move from this place into the city, into the real mission field of their lives and their workplaces and their jobs and their schools and all the things that they're involved in, that you would help them to overflow with joy into the people around them and that you would help them to uh, live out this kind of bold faith for your glory and for the benefit of those near them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.